1: welcome to the believe in the land show how are you doing how about them browns let's take a look at the browns and everything else that happened in cleveland sports my name's andy billman what a game these games right now back-to-back weeks you have had the emotional roller coaster and by the way if you think the Deshaun Watson storyline is going anywhere, it's already been announced he's starting in, C- in Seattle. We'll get to that and everything else. But what a victory. I mean, last week was one thing, and that was great. That was a great, great, great win. To have back to back wins like this, where you just sit there and you're like, ah, we're going to lose. Ah, this is where we're going to lose. The refs made the right call on Amari Cooper. P.J. Walker found a way to get a win. They got to the one-yard line on a very iffy call. The second penalty was iffy. Went for the Browns. God knows we've had a lot of those swinging our against us. And the scrappy Browns, and they are they are scrappy. Won this game. It was won for a multitude of reasons. I will get to the biggest one right now. The biggest one right now is how they closed to end the halves. They closed the first half with a sack fumble, ending in a touchdown by Miles Garrett, who was superhuman in this game. Absolutely superhuman in this game. Did things I have. He is becoming Lawrence Taylor. Again, in 2020, I thought in the first few games he was Lawrence Taylor good. We are seeing Lawrence Taylor good. Number two is Miles Garrett. I mean, one and two kind of go together in a way. Uh Miles Garrett was just unbelievable today. Seven tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, one ending up in a touchdown, and that blocked extra point where he literally jumps. Literally. Jumps over the offensive line to score a touchdown. Let me say it again. He literally jumped over the offensive line and score a touchdown. Just remarkable. Just remarkable how talented Mr. Miles Garrett is. He kept his team in the game in the first half. His play on the field. Disrupted the Colts. And Gardner Minshew was in for a career day. Gardner Minshew was shimmy-shaking and ready to, like, <laughs> rock the Browns to sleep. And it could have. Browns could have very easily folded like a tent. But I believe Miles Garrett's energy and Miles Garrett's play was super human in this game. He was the difference. What he did at the end of the first half was just remarkable. Unbelievably remarkable. He blocked a field goal. Browns got a field goal. And then the Colts drove and scored. Then after a punt, stripped fumble, 24-21, three and out, where the Colts were just shook, and then another field goal. His fumble, his strip sack fumble in the end zone changed that whole first half. Changed it. Changed everything, where there's debate in the booth on what they should do. And I thought they should have punt, and that was the right call here. You know, it was fourth and short for the Browns, fourth and four. On the Colts, 43-yard line, there was debate in the TV booth on what to do. I felt they should have punted, and they did. And that's why. It was that kind of day. It really was that kind of it just was unbelievable. It was unbelievable how well Miles Garrett played in this game. It's very hard in modern day football for a defensive player to lift the team to victory. I thought Miles Garrett's play today lifted, literally lifted the teams to victory. He single-handedly in the first half kept the Browns in the game. Should have been 21-17 Colts. With his strip fumble, along with before that, earlier in the second quarter, the blocked field goal. Colts went into a funk. They were just, you can just tell, shocked, shocked, shocked about how that first half ended. And it was because of Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett totally changed the whole momentum. Should have been 21 17, it was 27. 21 Browns going in halftime. Totally changed the whole game. That whole 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 play just changed it all. Changed the game. And then my point number one, at the end of the game, Colts had opportunities, put this game away, got the ball at their own 32. Couldn't do anything with the ball. Brown stopped him. And then PJ Walker. Had the drive of his life. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Had the drive of his life. Third and 10 at the Browns 20. Looked like the, the Browns looked like they were dead in the water. And he found Elijah Moore, and Elijah Moore got loose and got to the 50. And then a Pierre strong run, got to the 37. And then the, the drive looked like a good strong. Have had a uh, malfunction there, but that's okay. Disney commercial on ESPN. So I was reading through scores. But, anyways, back to the drive. Gotta love technology. When, when you're trying to do a radio show, going through stats and things blaring. Anyways, back to the game. That will not stop the Browns from winning, by the way. um, So it was, uh, let's see, second and nine, second and nine. And Browns got another first down. Walker found Donovan Peoples Jones. Down to the ending 19. Then the draw, then the drive really started to stall. And then it got to third and four at the Indianapolis 13. And it looked like the game, it looked like the game was lost. Looked like it was lost. PJ Walker was sacked. Ball was fumbled. Buckner recovered for the Colts. Looked like the game was over. But they called, and it was the right call. This one was the right call. This was the right call. Amari Cooper, who had been getting held all day, they finally called. Um, it wasn't interference, but they called illegal contact. Right call. Got the Browns, the first down. Got the Browns in position to for victory. And then on the very next play, it was a shaky call. It was. It went the Browns' way. They called an interference call on DPJ. I did not think that was the right call. It didn't. You know, hand hand to the book. I didn't think that. But they called it. And how many times as Browns fans have we not gotten that play for us? I mean, multiple times. Multiple times. And then on the the one-yard line, it became... (laughs) Whoa, did it become interesting. First play. Pass. Incomplete. Okay. Second one. Some sort of pitch play to Njoku. And I mean, I'm not being mean. Some sort of pitch play. Went off Njoku's face mask. Incomplete. Walker, again, to Elijah Moore. Incomplete. Oh, boy. We are now fourth and goal, and I was stunned at that point. I understand the first two. I'm not crazy. You don't have a lot of time. But I thought on third and goal, it's like, okay, Stefanski's going to run the ball here, but he didn't. (laughs) He didn't. And in fairness to Stefanski, the first two passways I understand, I did not understand the last one, so I thought he would have had enough time, but that's debatable in a court of football law because they usually the you know, Browns could have been hit and blah, blah, blah. But on fourth and one, Kareem Hunt got the nose of the ball, crossed the line clearly. He actually touched blue, touchdown Browns. Two-point conversion, no good. Very next series, Minshew got distracted, Pittman incomplete. And then Zadarius Smith with his first huge play, and I mean huge play, of the game. Zadarius Smith. Sack, Zadarius Smith recovered fumble. I'm uh, sorry, Ogbo, actually. Ogbo with a recovered fumble. But Zadarius Smith with a huge sack. And that was the difference of the game. The ending of the halves. In the first half, Browns were dead. Dead. End of water looked like. Even though it was 21-17, there's plenty of time left to go. Didn't have a good feel. Miles Garrett flipped momentum, changed all the way through the rest of the game. You could feel it. You could feel this game. It was gonna be the Browns Day. You could feel it. You could feel it. Then after just a myriad of strange moments, strange moments. Browns got the ball back. P.J. Walker, again, went on the drive of his life. I mean, drive. Drive of his life. Led the Browns down the field to score the winning touchdown. And that was the biggest difference in this game. The end of the first half, the end of the game. Browns then played defense when they had to. So, Smith fumble, all recovery, game over. Good night. Good night. And then again, the play of Miles Garrett in this game was just phenomenal. He has gotten a lot of grief and a lot of flack from fans. I hope that goes away now. Is my guy, has he proven to be a wonderful player? And yes, at times maybe he's not, you know, maybe he doesn't get as much verb as some of the other players do, but man, oh man, he is a special Special player. Really special player. And he in this game will have a game. He's had a couple of these now. This will be another game where I will never forget how well and how lucky we are to have Miles Garrett on our team. Just a tremendous, tremendous day from Miles Garrett. Those are the biggest two factors in this game. There is a lot more to talk about in this game we got to talk about Deshaun Watson, talk about the turnovers, and talk about what's already being announced for next week, <laughs> if you haven't heard. Stay tuned. We'll be talking about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Check out all of our great content at believeintheland.com. You'll find all sorts of great articles, all sorts of stuff covering your city, all sorts of great things covering our great teams, Browns, Buckeyes football, which we'll get to in a little bit, and everything else you need to know in Cleveland, Ohio. Go to BelieveInTheLand.com. It is your only place to find thoughtful coverage. We cover everything, everything. Not everybody's doing that anymore. We do everything. We just don't do clickbait stuff. We really do careful stuff. If you love instantaneous content as soon as the game is over, commentary on what happened during the game, go to at official Cleveland Sports. That is at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. One more time, I'll say slowlers. I've been saying it fast. That is at official Cleveland sports. Check us out. We'll be there. Whew. The Browns. What a win! The ending of the halves. The Miles Garrett play. Biggest two things in this game. It was the difference in this game, along with the third thing, which they finally won today. They won the ever-ending turnover battle. It has not gone the Browns way until today, but the Browns did win that battle. It was something I don't see them doing well without it. And they got away with it. A couple turnovers still, but they won today. And I felt like today in this game, they were going to have to win that battle. And they did four to one, four to two. I'm sorry, four to two. There's a late interception late in the game, but that was huge in this game. Huge. And the Colts have three fumbles. It was big. It was big in this game. And you know, turnovers don't define every game, but on the road to get a win, they usually do. And that's what needed to be ha- it needed to happen today. I felt that way all week, and boy, it came through to here today. You have to be able to get turnovers. On the road. And they did. And Miles Garrett is obviously a big part of it. There was a great um, interception by the great Denzel Ward. And, you know, just one of those days. I mean, one of those days. Miles um, Garrett, by the way, uh, again, two strip fumbles in this game. Walker with a fumble recovery. The second one by Tony Fields scored a touchdown. Then the the first half year I talked about the interception by Denzel Ward, which is a great play, bad, poor decision by Minshew, who played really well today, I thought. I thought Minshew played played well. And then, of course, the end of the game, fumble. What's the differences? I mean, those were the differences in this game. And again, the Browns didn't play a clean game by any means, but those turnovers were so big. They were outgained in this game by 140 yards. Usually, when that happens on the road, you usually lose. It did not happen today because of the turnovers. Turnovers played a significant part of this game. Again, when you want to win on the road, that has to—it has to come hand and foot. Has to. That was number three. They had to get that today, and they did. And finally, number four. The kicking of Dustin Hopkins continues. He, today, was huge. Huge. He was the player of the week last week. And he could easily be the player of the week this week on special teams again for the AFC. He was that good. For Hopkins to make three, not one, not two, but three kicks. From 50 yards plus. It's just remarkable. Just remarkable. Says a lot about the young man. He was big today. And he was. He was big today. They needed him in this game. He needed to come up big in this game, and he did. He did. He got, he found a way to get the victory. He really did. I mean, for you have to have sometimes players go extraordinary bounds. The player who did that today was Miles Garrett. The other one, I would say, was Hopkins the kicker. You imagine we had cage work in that spot. No way. No way. No way. That's why the cutting of cage work made too much sense. Had to happen. It's amazing. At one point that was kind of looked upon as like is that being too rough? Is that being no, no, no. That was the right call. That was the call. There was no other call. That was the right call. And that was the call that had to be made in that situation. Those things really led up to a big victory today. They really did. PJ Walker did what he had to do in this game. He wasn't wonderful, but he was fine. He. And on the last drive, he made that pass to Elijah Moore was big. Big pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones was big. He made plays when he had to. The offense in uh, in this game, to me, work in progress is not the right phrase anymore. I think the phrase we need to start saying is, what needs to be done to fix? Because I do think this offense needs to be fixed, and now we can include the storyline of Deshaun Watkins. Watkins did not play a full game, did not make it out of the first quarter. He was hit after a play after he threw an interception and was no longer available after that play because of Stefanski. He was cleared to play, but Stefanski did not feel Watkins was the right call this time, and I agree with him. Watson only completed one pass, five yards. That's it. He made one pass for five yards. That's where we're at with Deshaun Watkins. Walker is 15 out of one, uh, 15 out of 32 for 178. Not a good rating. One interception, but again, he did what he had to do in a big spot to win. So you take it. But his offense has a lot to work on now. And I would actually include the running game because Jerome Ford, it's not clear yet what's going on with Ford, but there was a Jerome Ford injury in this game, too. So there's gonna be that as well. I think the Browns are gonna have to find what how to go forward with this with this offense because it's pretty clear you can have a defense and a kicker that can help you actually win games now browns are four and two and a big reason today is because you're a defensive end star and your kicker so what the heck do you do about this offense well it was announced after the game by kevin stefanski that Deshaun Watson will be the starter in Seattle. He made it very clear. It wasn't muffled. This isn't a roundabout. This isn't me parsing words. He said he would be a he will be the starter in Seattle. Sean Watson's back. After what I saw today, that is really surprising. After what we saw today in the field, that is very surprising. This offense needs an overhaul in certain areas, not everywhere, but in certain areas. This run game is not going to make it another another 11 games in the regular season. They're going to have to add a running back. And not just D and not just Gian Jackson. The guy they got uh, off waivers, they're going to have to find another guy. The Browns are going to have to find someone else to help out with this running game. They're going to need to make a trade. And I and um they're gonna have to make one right away. Again, yeah, Deion Jackson, running back, that's a nice start, but you're gonna need more than that, especially with Drum Four being hurt. Let's get to that real quickly. Make sure we got the latest on what's going on with Drum Four. Then we'll get back to Watson. Let's see. it, it is an injury and. It is um, ankle injury, and he's been banged up in practice a lot, too. He did not return. uh, Kareem Hunt played through an injury today. Pierre Strong, he he had some good moments, but I'm not really sure what we have there. Browns are going to have to do something about running back. They're going to have to. They're really playing on one leg. And he got this whole quarterback thing. I'm surprised Stefanski wanted to go right away by saying Desha- Deshaun Watson is a starter in Seattle. After what we saw today, I'm very surprised. Very surprised. They're gonna have to really think that's the real answer. Is so what I saw today? So I saw a guy who needs some uh, needs some work. And I get it. P.J. Walker, it's smoke and mirrors. I don't know how much longer you can do P.J. Walker as a backup. And I give Camps the fancy a lot of credit. He made the right call. The right call was to stick with Walker in this game. That was the right call. But was the right call to announce as Watson? Next week's starter? Uh, not so sure. Uh, not so sure. Really surprised that came up the way he did. And Watson did not play well in this game at all. He really did not look good. I think there's a lot going on with Mr. Watson. And I don't know how good it is to keep playing this day-to-day. He's going to start game when it's clear he is not ready mentally. There's something going on with Watson. I think this is sadly going to become a bigger narrative now. They've beaten it the first two weeks. They got they got away with in San Francisco at home. They got away with in Indianapolis. I don't know how much longer though they can keep going with this. Hey, he's good. Don't worry, he'll be fine. He's our starter. I don't I don't know. And they're lucky. They got to win today. And Walker, again, Walker, when he had to, made some throws. But it's clear the offense. The offense looks really disjointed. And they have a lot. There's a lot of work here to be done. And the defense finally had a day where they broke a little bit. This, This job is on the line now for Stefanski. And again, I give him credit today. He made the right decision. But what are they going to do? I mean, what are they going to do? This is a long season still, and I just don't know how many more weeks you can keep going like this. It is going to be a big topic moving forward for the Browns. It really is. Hey, you won today. Check. Move forward. Moving forward, though, for the Browns, how this is going to work. It's going to be really interesting. And again, I don't. I just don't see the answers. I don't think Deshaun Watson can move this team going forward. Very iffy proposition. And that's what made today's victory so improbable. It felt like that should be a story along along with the loss. But it wasn't. And the gritty gutty Browns get another victory. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. Tired yet? <laughs> what a great win. Woo! What a great win. You could have celebrated with us at official Cleveland sports after the game. Some people thought I was loud. One woman was concerned about my wife thinking I was too loud. She loves me though. I love her too. I think I was okay. I was excited. She told me I broke sound barriers. Was that right? Something like that. land.com at official Cleveland sports. Believe in the land and YouTube page. All right. Moving forward, the Browns have gotten away with this last two weeks because they played well. It wasn't like these are gift-wrapped. I thought the Browns earned these victories. They did. My God, they earned losses. So when you earn losses, you pound them. But they earned these victories. It was good. But moving forward, this offense is going to have to get rebuilt. Are they really going to go with Deshaun Watson from here on out? I just can't see it. I don't know. It doesn't sound it just doesn't sound right. And what I mean is I think the Browns need to take these next few weeks. Instead of rushing him back out to Seattle and announcing as a starter, what would be the right thing here is for the Browns to say, let's take a step back to Sean. And let's really figure out what's going on here. Because this whole time it's been, hurry up, let's get them on the field. Hurry up! You don't believe what you're gonna see. Woo! You're gonna see all sorts of things, and then you get out there, and it's a turnover. I think it's time for the Browns to take a breath, take a step back, you know, I think this actually be the best for Deshaun Watson. They got away with two wins. They got them. And they got him because of great play. Either one of those games could have gone the opposite direction. It didn't. They're now 4-2. and two. They're moving forward. But to really see the end of the road here, him just starting all of a sudden doesn't make sense. I think there's clearly something off with Deshaun. I think some injury stuff. I think some mental stuff. Instead of rushing him back out in the field this week against Seattle, why not take this week to figure out what's really happening and reform him correctly moving forward? Instead of trying to press stuff down his throat I'm trying to make certain plays, and I just, it just does not feel right to me. Feels like the Browns are just rushing him out there just to, Get him out there instead of really taking the time and figuring out what's going on and trying to get him right moving forward, which is, I'm kind of there as a fan. I'd rather see that moving forward than just rushing out the song and Sean Watson because he can't roll out of bed right now and play well. It's very evident. And the Browns have not gotten this right so far. They didn't get it right last year. They haven't gotten it right this past week. They won the game. Thank God. Now get it right. Even if this means a loss in Seattle, get this right. You can't keep going on where you're going to have Deshaun Watson just run out there, play bad, try try to explain it later, and then, you know, it just always seems like hurry up for – And again, the results aren't even there. Like the results are clearly not. That's not like other kind of there. They're clearly not there. The situation doesn't feel right. And it isn't. Browns right now have to work on some things. That's okay. Let's work on it. But let's not just get out there and just start hurrying up. I, I just I don't know. I don't quite understand. The necessity of this team just to keep firing back things where it's like, you know, I, I just don't I just don't see the rush right now to put him back out there until we figure out why he's having some issues physically and mentally. Because he's clearly having some moments right now. He is. He's clearly having some moments. Why this rush to get him out there? I just don't quite understand. Having a hard time figuring out why the Browns are just saying, hey, right, he's a starter. Everything's fine. What happened? Ah, don't worry about it. It's just weird. Very weird. The Browns need to be cautious about just running out certain things instead of taking a breath, figuring out. They need to get this right. The rush shouldn't be, get Deshaun Watson on the field as soon as possible. The need needs to be, let's get him right and then get him on the field. And I'm hoping the Browns rethink about what happened today in the press conference after Stefanski Instead of just saying, yep, that's our answer. It's just like, geez. It doesn't feel like we're there. It feels like we're kind of rushing him back on the field again. And clearly right now, Deshaun Watson cannot be rushed back on the field. Clearly. There's 11 games left. Quite a few against the AFC North Sill. Two of them on the road. Those are the games you got to start focusing on. Getting them back in two weeks to the Ravens game makes a whole lot of sense right now. Why they just whipping them and wrapping them up against the Seahawks. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And on top of it, the Browns are going to have to do some offensive fixing. This offense can't go much longer with the way it's going. It has not clicked all year. Except for one game against Titans. So nothing against the Titans that look good. That's it. We're six games in. One out of five, one out of six is not good. The running game, I think, is working. I don't think it's a well machine. The passing game, I just said, it, it's just bump, bump, stop, stop, bump, bump, stop. It just does not get into a rhythm. I think the Browns are short of running back. I've said that for a while. Browns need another running back in here. Need to make a trade for one. they got to figure out what to do there. This current running game with the backs of Ford, Hunt, and Strong, I don't see making it through the season. And Deion Jackson does not excite me. They need to get someone else in here who can play. And play effectively. Browns need to do something here. Can't keep going on with this, especially the way the quarterback position. In a wide receiver, I'd keep your eyes open there too. This DPJ, I know he's been whatever. I don't know if he's unhappy. I keep hearing all these rumors. He hasn't played well this year. They haven't been getting the ball either. Could be a combo. Could be a combo of things. Okay, fine. But the Browns are going to have to figure out what to do there, too, in my opinion. Elijah Moore, he had some moments today. Mario Cooper's been great up until today, but today wasn't his fault. And I want to be kinder to DPJ. DPJ has been playing fine, but he hasn't had the year we thought he was going to have. Ninjoku's had a good year. He's been okay. He's overcome a lot, too, with that fire. The Browns just can't seem to get into a rhythm. And as the Colts game proved today, you can't just go back to old faithful, the old defense. That's why today's game and so and the victory was so remarkable. Defense did enough, but boy, they didn't play well. And the offense didn't flow, but they won. They won because of the fight and the grit. But that's why, looking at this long term, they're going to have to get another running back. And let's go back to the main topic. What's the rush to just roll Deshaun Watson out on the field? Why not wait a week? Why not take some time? That seemed to make sense to me. And I just don't understand this rush of having to get someone back on the field where he isn't playing well. He's not playing well. Why rush that? Just to hurry up to get him on the field for what? Guy isn't doing it. Guy is not cutting the mustard. He is not cutting the mustard. It, I just think sometimes we rush to say, "Oh my gosh, Deshaun Watson is MVP quarterback," and once he's on the field, he's gonna. He is not. And it goes to my last one here. Deshaun Watson needs to have a moment where someone sets him down this week and beg, "Look." We need you. And the Browns, because of the no Nick Chubb, Browns need Deshaun Watson at some point to perform. These magic tricks of Walker are only going to go so far. At some point, they're going to have to get a game from Deshaun Watson. At some point, he's going to have to show up and perform at a very high level. At some point, Deshaun Watson is going to have to appear live and in person. And frankly, it looks like it's very scattered. And this is where all this offense, it's not all about play calling. Sometimes it's not all about schemes. Sometimes it's not all about the analytics. Sometimes it's about fixing players. Stefanski's so going to have to figure out a way how to fix his player. You can't just give off the ball 24. 24's not available. They're going to have to figure out a way how to get these wins without 24 and with fixing number four. Those are the biggest offensive priorities next week for the Seattle game. The winning Seattle game is important. It always is. Winning is big. But to me, Kevin Stefanski's biggest job next week, how do you win games with number four not performing well and 24 gone for the season? And Andrew Barry needs to weigh in. How does this get fixed? What are we going to do? This team is on a path to possibly make the playoffs. How do you continue this season of fun? How do we keep cheering every Sunday? How does that happen without these two things going in their favor right now? Because at some point, it's going to bite this team. And when it bites, it's going to bite it hard. The Browns need to be ready to come back with something. And that's what needs to be happening going forward with these Browns. 4-2, and heading to Seattle. Fun time, but things still need to be worked on behind the scenes. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. Woo! So much Brown stuff going on. There's more to talk about, though. Welcome back to the show. I'm Andy Billman. Welcome to Believe in the Land show. At the official Cleveland sports is where you can see all of our calm commentary after the game. You'll never see me yelling or screaming or doing anything. Or, you know, I'm just a normal guy. Come check me out. For a good, mellow, zen moment after a game. Saying, you know, the ball didn't bounce our way. Or, you know, it was nice to see we got the call today. It's usually my tone after a game. Check me out at Official Cleveland Sports. Uh, at Official Cleveland Sports. BelieveintheLand.com for all your great coverage of the Buckeyes. Cavs. Cavs about ready to start. In all things Cleveland, check us out. Browns, of course. Guardians is going to announce a manager at some point. At Official Cleveland Sports. Check us out. Okay. Buckeyes played. They did what I thought they were going to do. They conquered Penn State. And I think the biggest development that came out of this game was three. One, Ohio State's clearly superior, which I thought, and they proved that to be true. The defense this year for the Buckeyes has... So improved that in a game like Penn State, it's just suffocating for the Nittany Lions. The Nittany Lions do have a good defense; they really do, but they don't have the offense of weapon. They just don't, and that's number two. I mean, the best player on the field is Marvin Harrison Jr., and he is by far the Heisman Trophy winner right now. I'm going to say it again: by far, right now, the Heisman Trophy winner is Marvin Harrison Jr. He is the best player on the field at all times, no doubt. And he won him this game again on Saturday. He's just a tremendous, tremendous player. And he plays at a very high level. He got a high state out of jail a couple times yesterday. He is just such a smooth player. He 11 catches and 162. He literally had as many yards as Penn State did, minus 29. He had only Penn State as a team. Penn State's team had 191 yards. Marvin Harrison had 162. By himself! He's that good. He is just a remarkable player. And from all the players and from all the teams I've seen this year, he is the best player on the field, period. And he is going to take the Buckeyes to big places. It's going to be very, very hard to beat Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think they are the best team in the country. Really do. I think Ohio State is on their way to big things. They are not perfect. You can make an argument that last year's team is better. All true. But the competition is not. Georgia's beatable. Alabama, beatable. They've lost the game. Michigan, I know they're, they haven't lost a the game. They're beatable. They have a huge cheating scandal. We'll get to that in a second. Well, Ohio State is setting themselves up after this game. So, number one, defense ruled the day. They put out the Penn State light. Two, the Marvin Harrison Jr. show continues. It just rolls on. And it does. It rolls on. He is so, so, so good. And I think the other big thing in this game that came really apart is, you know, this defense can take you to big places. But it's amazing that this team for Ohio State's winning these games without Abuka right now. They're winning these games without Travion Henderson right now. And those players are coming back at some point. That's going to be a big deal for Ohio State. Ohio State, to me, has still not played their best football. That's the third point. They're still not there yet. They're still not really had a point where it's like, I think they're at their peak. I think they're still growing into the season. I I think they're still developing. And that's what makes it so exciting. I think there's still a huge ceiling. I don't know. There's much left for the Alabama ceiling. There's probably a little bit left Georgia. I don't know Michigan. I think they're there. I don't think they can get much better. Florida State, I think they're pretty much there. I don't know if they can get much better. Ohio State, to me, has got a lot of room to grow. They can get better. They can get much better as the season goes on. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me they're much better. And that's why I think they have such an excellent opportunity to win this whole thing. They really proved a lot here this weekend being Penn State. Penn State's a year away. They aren't terrible. They aren't horrible. I hey, think Penn State's got a couple of athletes in there. I think their quarterback's going to be fine. But they're just a year away. I mean, they just look like a team that's a year away. And Ohio State, when they have to, really makes big plays. And that's the definition of a big team. JT made a big play in that game fourth quarter when they needed to. They just make big plays in big spots. And that is such a, such a great thing as a team. You just need those kind of things, obviously. They ooze out with talent. They really do. Ohio State marches on. Their schedule gets a lot lighter. Wisconsin's not the same team they we thought of three weeks ago. And after that, it really opens up. I mean, Friday State it really does. Now they still have to play Rockers. They still have a couple more games here and there, but really down the stretch here is going to really start opening up for Ohio State. And then they play Michigan. And that's, that's the season right there. Really, for me, these next few weeks for Ohio State aren't that challenging outside of Michigan. The schedule really eases up from here. You can't sleep. You can't just not participate hard against Wisconsin, and they won't. But honestly, even that Wisconsin game, eh, eh, not a big deal. They should be okay. Ohio State rolls on, and they did. They rolled on. After this cheating scandal for Michigan, it's really something to watch. It really taints what happened with Michigan the last few years. And it's going to open up the door for Harbaugh leaving again. And I do think Harbaugh is going to be on his way out here soon. I think this is it. I would be surprised if Harbaugh comes back to Michigan after all the scandal, after this team has really hit its peak. I don't think you're going to get a better Michigan club after this year. This is the year to win it all. This is the year for Harbaugh to close that book. And move on. And I bring it up because there's going to be an opening somewhere in the NFL. There always is. But wouldn't it be interesting for the Browns who tried to get John Harbaugh years ago? Wouldn't it be interesting? Or I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if they try to get Jim again back in Cleveland? Be interesting, wouldn't it? This Michigan scandal is a big deal. It's a serious, serious thing. And they are caught cheating if it's true. And they have a lot to a lot to talk about here. Watch that Michigan scandal as we go forward. Ohio State moves on, and Michigan that story grows, and doesn't look good for Michigan. Notre Dame had the week off, and guess you're an Irish fan. They're back at it next week. They play two games in their half again, so the Irish have a couple of bye weeks here as we come up. Their first one this past week. Cavs basketball starts off with everything going on with the Browns has kind of gotten muddled. Last year, there's a lot of talk about Browns about Cavs basketball with Donovan Mitchell coming to town. Preseason wrapped up. Um, early impressions are kind of the impressions that's been given all all offseason. Cavs are going to play faster? I do. Yep, I do think that. Cavs are improved on offensive shooting? Absolutely. Yep, Niang and Struis, Struce, especially, shooting's improved. They're going to win some more games on offense? Absolutely. Jarrett Allen injury is big. Yeah, Allen's injury is big. They're going to have to find a way to win games early. They're going to have to survive and advance these games. Figure a way. How do they get W's? How do they get wins? How do they get some really victories without that presence in the middle? They should be okay, though. They really are built to be a lot more. Um, they're going to be, they're gonna be moving the ball a lot more from end of the court to end of the court. It was half court, half court. For the Cavs. Cavs wanted to slow you down. They wanted to slow it down even further on offense. This year, it's going to be pep to their step. They're a lot faster. They're a lot leaner. They're a lot more aggressive on offense. They really are. What that means for the defense will be seen. But their offense is definitely going to tick up, especially shooting. Really like what the Cavs are doing this year that way. And I think Okoro being forced to after minutes is a great thing for him. A great thing for the Cavs. Only big concern after, aside from the Allen injury, which plays into it, so I'm really worried about the rebounding for the Cavs. I really am. I'm really concerned about how the Cavs are going to get rebounds in these first in these first few preseason games. I didn't see a lot that changed on how the Cavs are going to get rebounds. I did not see anything that made me think, "Ooh, I think the Cavs are going to be able to scrap some moments here and get." I just, I'm not seeing it. I think the Cavs have a lot to prove on that side of the ball when it comes to rebounding. They have to get off the floor and get the ball up the floor. And they're, frankly, they're getting a little bit pushed around. But again, in preseason, I don't know if the Cavs had the same energy level as some of these other clubs they played. So I'm not going to hold it against them too much because I definitely didn't see the Cavs trying as hard as the Magic or the Pacers the other night. Didn't see that. So it's not fair, but at the same time, it is fair to question, okay, I'm not seeing in the preseason. I'm not saying that's what's going to translate into regular season. But what I am saying is the Cavs have off nights. Getting rebounds is going to be interesting. I don't think it's a, exactly a given again. They're going to have to find ways to get the boards, especially when they get stops on defense, and they're going to get stops. How do they get the rebound? How do they push it up court? It's going to be big for the Cavs this year. They start in Brooklyn. They come home and play the Thunder on Friday. A lot of expectations for this team. This team was young last year, one of the youngest teams. They have a lot more experience underneath their belt. Big season for the Cavs. Expectations. Last year was fun at riding the fun. This year it is the E word. Expectations for the Cavs. It all starts this Wednesday in Brooklyn. The Browns win again. The Deshaun Watson drama. The show rolls on. Coach said after the game, he's going to start. Even though he didn't finish the game. Buckeyes win big. Cavs basketball starts this week. That's the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Check out artificial Cleveland sports. Check out believeinland.com. Have a great week. See you next week we um.